Hello and welcome to the Cat Mass Day Chronicles. We have exciting, interesting and powerful stories from cat owners about well-being. I'm your host, Michelle Adams, the founder of Chatty Cats Care, a professional cat sitting company. Join me as I dive deep into conversation with cat owners about their individual journeys. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. This episode is brought to you by Chatty Cats Care, London's professional cat sitting company. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Cat Mass Day Chronicles and this week I'm so excited to be joined by the wonderful Mariana Alpha. Mariana is the founder of Blossom Hospitality which helps businesses to operate more efficiently by setting standards and structures that help propel business growth. She is currently in the process of launching her book, Blossom, Coach Yourself to Success and Living Your Best Life, which I love the sound of already. And this will be available to purchase soon. She's also a cool cat mum to an adorable pair of kitties called Cleopatra, or Cleo for short, and Romeo. It's so great to have you on the show, Mariana. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about you? Hi, yes, and thank you for having <laughs> me. Um, this is wonderful. I, I always love how we can really uh, talk about the benefits of cats in our lives when we talk about professional lives, but there are so many. Yeah, um, so thank you for having me. I, I grew welcome. up in Slovakia. I grew up in Slovakia most of my childhood. I spent there um, during the communism, actually, in my earlier years. And then I moved to U.S. when I was 22. And I spent 19 years in between Washington, D.C. and New York. Um, And just about three years ago, we moved to London. Um, My partner uh, had a job opportunity. We couldn't really say no to. Plus, we were ready for a little bit of a change um, so it's been it's been kind of uh, versatile in terms of moving and living on different continents. Um, and I've spent 19 years, pretty much all the years, while in while living in US. I lived in hosp- uh, I spent in hospitality industry okay. um, in ser- serious leadership roles. Mm-hmm. Um, only the past year. Actually, April last year, I started my company called Blossom Hospitality. Okay. Um, yeah. So fairly recent. Yes, rather recent. I had a I had a great contracted uh, job when we moved here, and after my contract finished, um, it was just sort of different calling, different purpose, different. Uh, different doors were opening and I couldn't not walk in. (laughs) No, absolutely. And I feel like when things are kind of in place or set like that, then you need to seize the moment and just take the opportunity as it comes to you. You know, I believe that everything kind of happens for a reason. So whatever happens in our lives, we should try to choose the path that's kind of right for us. So, um, yeah, thank you for that introduction. And I'd love to find out a little bit more about Blossom, maybe the name and what kind of inspired you to start the company and how it kind of all began. I know you gave us the brief little introduction there, but could you tell us a bit more about Blossom and what what it's about? Sure. Um, So Blossom Hospitality is really... Something I've put together after working on my niche and and combining my coaching, um, my executive coaching skills that mm. I've obtained, I pretty much finished my contracted job assignment. I was a vice president of food and beverage in a global hotel company. And I sort of just... Um, just wanted to combine and learn something different, learn how to replace control command leadership, learn how to really, really um, choose a different approach with coming up generations and and learn how I could contribute to society. Um, I've been in touch with a lot of companies and I've been hearing you know, from friends, family, 
working from different uh, working for different companies mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of there are a lot of toxic environments out there there are a lot of toxic leaders out there that just need to be helped i don't think they're aware of their behaviors or lack of um, behaviors uh, for better say um, and they just really need a different approach to be able to grow and develop themselves so I went back to school last year and I got myself the executive coach diploma through the coaching academy amazing um, which really opened up my eyes um, into completely different uh, approach and possibilities and I decided to use that approach when I'm doing my consultancy work when I'm helping smaller businesses to prepare them for growth, to set up processes and systems. And the way I use the coaching with that is really by asking them questions rather than imposing everything I know from my experience. So in other words, there are consultants that sort of form everything, type up everything, assess the situation, and they just sort of dump all this paperwork on the company and kind of let them implement and deal with it. Um, What I do is I really work with people um, that are currently part of the structure and organization. And I work with them by asking them questions and by making them think further, making them come up with improvements that could work better and, and make the operation work more efficiently and, and increase the productivity. So, and that also kind of seamlessly leads to you know, what can be done from the leadership level, what can be done on a top level in terms Mm -hmm. of setting the right tone for the culture um, within the company, uh, in terms of what can be done uh, in terms of whether the mission and vision statements are even relevant. When was the last time they were redone? Do people even believe in it? Um, So I'm kind of injecting and inserting that kind of purpose into organizations. And I'm using coaching as the approach because it's really the people that that tell you the truth, that know the truth, that have been working and know what works, what doesn't, regardless of my opinion or my judgment or my suggestion. Of course, there are improvements that I'm able to suggest because of my 20 years of experience. But for the most part, the people will only execute these processes that I create if they believe in them. And they will only believe in them if I engage them and if I empower them, if I make them part of the process. So that's really what Blossom Hospitality is about. Um, uh, Me combining the coaching techniques into getting the most out of people and by just working hand in hand with client. I I don't do consultancy work um, that's known as, you know, I don't even like to work consultants, actually. Mm. <laughs> I just, uh, I just really hold their hand from, from the moment I get on board until, until everything is done and implemented and everyone is trained and everyone is a believer and everyone knows there is a big purpose behind coming to work every day. Um, and that's how Blossom Hospitality started, you know, picking a name Blossom. I, I've always wanted part of the name of the company to be hospitality because not only of my 20 years in that field field, but also because I feel that hospitality is a little bit behind as an industry Mm -hmm. um, in terms of having the coaching approach in in terms of leadership knowing better ways to manage people and lead people and also because I'm really passionate that's just my baby hospitality is my baby and 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 the word blossom is really just a word I believe in, you know, when, when I go to events or meet people, um, people usually, you know, the, the question that I, that it's just inevitable when, when you meet someone. So what do you do for a living or what do you do? Uh, you know, nowadays I wish people ask you, what are your hobbies? Who are you as a person? But unfortunately mm-hmm. it always starts with what do you do? Yes. So for me, it's very simple. You know, I make people um, and companies thrive and, and blossom and flourish. Mm-hmm. And, and they usually ask, you know, so how do you do that? Um, what exactly do you do? How do you make them blossom? How do you make them flourish? And then, you know, obviously the answer is very clear. If it's individuals, uh, and that's how my individual coaching clients uh, prosper here, um, it's really doing just individual co- coaching sessions um, and if it's come, if it comes to the companies, it's um, it's using that coaching approach and using combined with my expertise um, and really rebuilding the structures, rebuilding the process flow, and 
and just kind of bring in that that new ray of light and a new purpose. So yeah. the things are just kind of bo- boosted with the right with the right efficiency. Yes. No, absolutely. And I think the name Blossom is so fitting for everything that you spoke about, because it is, it's like a flower, isn't it? You start off yeah. as a small bud. And then when you grow, when your business grows, you grow and you flourish. And you're so right about um, working with people in companies, because people are what make a business, you know, people are what make the business successful. So if you know, somebody's doing something that's not right, or it's not helping. And if the person isn't really, you know, trying to see help or trying to improve then yes absolutely it could be damaging and I I actually used to work in the hospitality industry myself so it's wonderful yeah so um not at the top at the bottom scale of things I guess um it was just a part-time job um, when I was at uni but I remember such long hours a lot of stress a lot of pressure um and yeah I wouldn't say I particularly enjoyed um, working in hospitality um, at that level. But I think, yeah, there's a lot of room for improvement, as you said. So um, it's amazing that that you're working with different companies within the industry, because I think there is quite a lot of room for, for improvement. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, when you really think about it, this is not this is hospitality is all about people. So if people that are the hospitalians, as Mm -hmm. I call them, and it's hospitalians, I also dedicate my book to, if they are supposed to breathe that hospitality, if they are supposed to promote the hospitality and live the hospitality, meaning if, if you're there as that hospitalian and showing that you care more about the others than about yourself in the given moment, yes. uh, you have to be treated the same way and you have to, you have to do it from your heart. And so if you have any nonsense or toxic bosses uh, above you, or if, if the company doesn't have the right processes or systems in place, it kind of takes away from you doing it from your heart. It brings Absolutely. in frustration yeah. and stress. And it doesn't have to be that way. Hospitality is all about doing, being there for people and being genuine about what you do. So the moment it becomes, you know, fake or the moment it becomes stressful, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's really affected. Hospitality yeah. as a result is affected. And you can tell when you go to restaurants or hotels, yes. you can tell where is it genuine and where is it just, um, you know, sort of with added pressure and with yeah. control. And yeah. Yeah, where the things, steps of service, for example, or where everything is just kind of, you know, uh, memorized training manual or, or because, you know, the manager is watching and where is it actually really genuine? And you yeah. can tell, you can tell the difference. Oh, absolutely. Because when it is genuine, you want to return, you want to stay there longer, you feel comfortable. So yeah, completely. Um, And it's so important. Um, You mentioned something about your book there just briefly. Um, And I know we introduced it earlier, but can you tell us a bit more about that as well? That's that's really exciting that you're um, launching a book. Yes, I know. (laughs) I can imagine. (laughs) It's not that I'm planning to write another 20. This might be the only one, but you never know. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Yes, so my book should be coming out by end of August. Amazing. Um, I just, uh, I'm getting the first quotes from the printers as we speak. Uh-huh. Everything's being illustrated and formatted. And it's been a journey. You know, I thought that writing a book itself, it's the big deal. But actually going through the publishing of it, that's a big deal. Mm. Um, but you know, learning, 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 lots of learning. Yeah. Um, so the book is called Blossom. And yes. obviously I didn't even plan that. I didn't plan that to be called Blossom. I actually had maybe six or seven um, name suggestions. Mm-hmm. And, and then the, f- the few people that actually had a chance to read my manuscript um, actually uh, suggested that I should just call it Blossom because that's yeah. what it is exactly um, so mm-hmm. funny enough it is gonna end up being called blossom again mm-hmm. 
unintentionally, but I always, you know, I trust people around and I trust people that care and, mm -hmm. and all of them are part of my life as part of my journey. So I know they have best interests in mind. Um, yeah, so it's really a compilation of my story. Um, it's more or less my autobiography, but it's divided into small stories. Um, and, you know, I've, I've been featured in magazines or books of the other people just mm -hmm. by, by small individual stories that were, you know, uh, more of an interest uh, at that given time. And my close friends would always tell me, you should just write a book. You should just write a book. <laughs> so actually last year when I was at the school back in the academy doing my coaching diploma, I had to write a thesis that was, I think, mm -hmm. 13,000 words. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's, I don't remember how many pages it was, but it wasn't a long, it wasn't a short thesis mm. for someone hasn't written thesis since high school or since college mm -hmm. um, so after 20 year break I did write the thesis and I actually scored I think 94 or 96 percent which made me kind of believe and kind of gave me confidence that I know how to write and maybe and, and you know I didn't even feel that I had to make an extra effort with it because I just really used some of my experiences and made it great examples of where coaching could have been used and whatnot. The thesis was very straightforward. Um, yeah. And it was, it was more about how it aligned and how I was able to express myself. So that sort of gave me confidence that maybe this is the time to write my own book. And, and I, I really wanted to see, you know, now that I knew the coaching and the whole magic and, and the outcomes the coaching has itself, I was thinking, how can I offer that? How can I use my stories and create kind of like a mind opening and and um, sort of just just making people pause and reflect? Mm -hmm. How can I insert coaching into story of my life, maybe? <laughs> yeah. So it's not full story of my life. It starts with really a little preview of my childhood and then really moving to us and just being kind of a go-getter and, you know, and, and mm. being career hungry. And, and I mentioned stories that were all, you know, part of my hospitality leadership world and each story is a short story. So each chapter story ends with a question, which is either incisive question or it's some sort of a deep coaching question that it's relevant and related a little bit more or less to that story and that that the reader can actually pause after reading that question and answer it themselves and it follows by it's followed by a blank page which yeah. is called my space so after you finish reading the story you'll have a chance to pause you read the question and you can actually take your eyes off the book and think you know when was the last time i was in a similar situation what did i do what i could have done better and then the question is always different um, that I mentioned. The question, it's in caps letters. Um, it's about, you know, what were your gifts that you didn't use or you were, you were tempting to use, but you didn't fully use. Or, you know, if the doctor told you that your life depended on changing your, the way you approach people, what would you do today? Mm. Uh, so there are a series of questions um, that sort of make you pause. And then there is that space of a one blank page provided for your thoughts, for your maybe actions, for the comments, if you want to write in it, mm. or for you to just not continue with the next chapter right away, but really, really taking that quality moment of that thinking environment that you just created for yourself as a reader and, and use that to your advantage because you know how we live. We live very fast lives. Yeah. You know, many times we keep being kind of either stuck in a rut or just being kind of living our lives way too fast yes. without actually pausing and asking ourselves those important questions that will kind of create the change or, or make us realize lots of things before it's too late. No, absolutely. And I love that you have that moment in your book for people to take a pause, because sometimes you read a book and you think, yeah, this is amazing. Everything I read is great. But do you really put everything into practice? 
So if you actually have that space and and that time to to actually write and reflect and and make notes and and sort of journal in a way um, throughout the process of reading, then I guess it's more likely you are going to put those things into practice and, and, and use it within your own life and then also look back on it. Because again, sometimes we read a book, it's great, we put it down is it likely that we're going to pick it back up again? Maybe not. So it's great that you have that space in your book for people to write their notes and then they can go back to it again to, to read on what they've done or maybe even write goals and then look at the goals and see if they've kind of met those goals within a year or two years. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. That's exactly what I would want everyone to do. And as much as my illustrator hated the idea that people would write in it, I said, it's such a beautiful book. I don't want them to destroy. I don't want people to yeah. I said, but I do because, you know, they can even rip off that blank page yeah. if they some notes that will be life-changing for them. 100%. If they have that light bulb moment that makes them realize certain things that makes them kind of just really say, you know, maybe enough, maybe, maybe it is time to change. Maybe it is something that I haven't done and I could have done better. And, and it's not about what we've done or haven't done. It's what are we going to do? What mm-hmm. we will do actually moving forward? Because, you know, and that's the whole idea of coaching. We never really harp on what happened in the past and what we've done but all the questions really are sort of um about future about moving forward Mm -hmm. about what can you do better moving forward yeah and and having a clear idea clarity in this area i think uh, could really benefit a lot of a lot of others um so i'm very excited about the book yes Um, and and i am targeting a wider audience so when i say it's dedicated to hospitalians. You know, you don't have to be hospitalian working in hospitality. Yeah. Uh, It's really, it's, you know, we, we practice hospitality when we have guests at home, we practice Mm -hmm. hospitality in any customer related, customer service related. 100% uh, job. And, and, you know, nowadays, whether it's retail, whether whatever other industry there is, we are being hospitalians because we care about the others around us and we make them feel that they're genuinely welcome to be around us and, and we treat them with that kind of royalty care when possible. And I think at the end of the day, this is the only way the world will become a better place. I agree with you, definitely. And it's so lovely that you said that because, yeah, I I completely agree. And a lot of people think hospitality, they think of food and drink or restaurants. But like you said, it's beyond that. I think all of my past years working within retail, hospitality for many years has kind of shaped me into understanding hospitality and customer service. And now that I have my own business, I understand how to treat people and um, how to treat clients. And yeah, and it's so important. So, so important The your service, I guess, is how much would you say is a part of the business? For me, I would say like the customer service is at least 80, 90% of the business. The service absolutely. comes after. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so absolutely. yeah. A lot of people don't realize that, I don't think, but it's so important that you tune into, you know, people skills and communication skills if you're going to pursue something for yourself, really. So um, coming on to that, what kind of advice would you give somebody who wanted to maybe pursue a career similar to what you're doing? So I guess, you know, my career has really been climbing that leadership ladder mm. and and I think if I was you know I obviously started in 2000 um and and if I was you know I had my own mentors I I had my own people that I reported to that I I believed in um that led me and I was you know picking up the tone of the culture of each company I worked with and and so I'm able to compare who did it right, who didn't do it right. And and those that didn't do it maybe right, I learned the most from. Because in order to know what's the best way, you also need to experience the worst way. Mm-hmm. And so it's all part of the learning. You you wouldn't know. It's it's just like a daily life. You, you wouldn't know 
how good you have it if you didn't experience the bad. <laughs> yeah. That's how, that's how it works. That's, that's how our, that's how the destiny is of everyone that we have to go through the roller coaster and experience it in order to know and choose our own path and choose our own way of, of working and of living. So I guess, you know, I, I definitely had some, you know, control command, um, you know, supervisors, managers, directors above me. I also was the control command leader, mm-hmm. um, which nowadays obviously doesn't work. Younger generations don't respond to that style, leadership style at all, mm-hmm. which is why, you know, coaching and mentoring is the way to go. Um, but I would just really, really go back to, you know, the only advice I'd have is really think about who is the biggest asset for your company. Uh, and if it is people, you know, create the healthy work environment. Um, have systems and processes in place that make sense, that you actually have people that use them, approve and agree with and, and empower them. You know, um, uh, you know just, just empower them to give you the best results, empower them to use the expertise they brought to your company on the first place. That's why you hired them. So yeah. why would you? Keep their wings after mm. and you know, don't ever ever micromanage i think that's just not creating um the right right healthy environment and absolutely if people are not happy to come to work every day then there's no point um and when it comes to the company you know um that's my recent thing you know it's only been a year a little over a year so i haven't done i haven't um per se build the success of a large company yet mm. <laughs> Still sort of considered a startup but yeah. um i guess one of the things that i would recommend is just you know um allow the professionals do what they are best at and set aside little funds to be able to pay for the basics whether it's the proper website whether it's the proper copywriting and the verbiage you're going to use whether mm-hmm. it's the proper proper logo creation you know um i think with a little bit of research you, you everyone realizes there's a lot of resources and and i understand that nowadays with a lot of technology in place we're able to do a lot ourselves mm-hmm. but you know sometimes some people might feel that, you know, for example, creating your own website, it might be a learning experience. And if you're mm. up and if you love doing that, if you like that little work, then perfectly fine. You know, I, I love I love the challenge. Um, but if that's not your forte and if you have certain expectation, it's okay to pay the experts and it's okay mm. to have certain expectation and let them do what they're best at because we are not all experts in everything, not being, not saying that we can't do it, but I'm just saying sometimes you see some of the websites of companies done and you can tell that it was just kind of improvisation Yeah, uh, and it doesn't maybe send the right messages or, yes. it doesn't, you know, portray what it needs to do, you know? Um, so I, I, that would be my just only advice when it comes to starting the company, just know what your purpose is, stick to the purpose make sure that you know how to sell yourself and set aside little funds to be able to have these expertise parts of tasks done by experts because it's really worth it after. Mm-hmm. And it saves you a lot of headache that you can actually, you know, a lot of focus and a lot of time that you can focus on growing your business or on, yeah. on protecting yourself into really what you're about to deliver. Yeah, absolutely. I think it comes down to, you know, what you you know, might be able to do and how much time you have. I personally created my own website and that was because I literally, I enjoy, I enjoyed that. I had no experience with, you know, graphics or or website creating or anything like that, but I taught myself through YouTube, (laughs) through Google and through books um and yeah luckily you know a lot of people have given me quite a lot of good feedback about it and at the end of the day your website is your shop front so you need it to be presentable and you need people to engage with it in a way that they think wow this looks nice this looks professional I think because that's when they trust the company more you know if you walk past a shop it might not look great you might think "Mm, I'm not sure they haven't really invested a lot into how it looks I don't know if I want to go into that shop I'm not sure if it's good 
But if you actually take the time to develop it, use the right resources and and make it look presentable, then definitely people will come, you know, people line up outside. So definitely. And see, you were up to the challenge and you were, you wanted to do it and you actually enjoyed doing it. Yeah. And I'm, you know, when I said about the website, I was mean, you know, people like me, for me to just, just to make myself do it, just to actually go and start from the scratch and see and, you know, find the domain uh, places and just kind yeah. of do that technical part. It's just not me. I hate doing that work. I hate yeah. being related to technology of that sort of building or anything like that. So for me, it's not a rewarding experience like for you. For yeah. me, it's just just painful experience and it would it would just you know it would just make the whole experience of starting my business more frustrating rather than joyful so Mm -hmm. I always I always ask myself every day you know whenever I'm torn and whether whenever I have to make decisions I always ask myself will this help me or will this harm me Mm. and second question will this bring me joy because I chose that I want every experience of my journey to be joyful. So if there is a task that I know will not be joyful because it's just not me and it's, I just don't like certain aspects of it, mm. I just outsource people because it's just a better decision for myself. I'd rather have a joyful experience of, of everything that I do, that it's part of this. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that. And and on that note as well, I am not great with numbers. So when it comes to anything to do with the accounting stuff or, or working out that stuff, I'd rather outsource because again, yeah. same as you, it would just give me a headache and it wouldn't make running the business enjoyable. I think you need to really understand what you're good at within your business and what you enjoy doing. And if that's not if that's something that you don't enjoy then like you said outsource that's the best way to progress otherwise it just feels like a job rather than a passion and I believe that your business should be a passion yeah I absolutely agree and you know at the end of the day most of us start our own companies because we want to have the freedom of doing what we want and so by tying ourselves to tasks that are not enjoyable and that cause us all these headaches and if it's a matter of small you know financial funds that we set aside it shouldn't we shouldn't even think twice about it it's another thing if you set aside a goal that you want to learn by this time and that time I want to learn how to do my own accounting I want to learn how to do all that Mm. being aware and acknowledge whether that's really something whether that's a realistic goal and whether it aligns with your qualities and skills and what you would actually enjoy is one thing, but forcing yourself to do it just because, you know, um, because you think you should, uh, or, or there is some sort of a outer expectation that you're pushing on yourself. Um, I just don't think it makes sense. And yeah. if, if I stopped working for toxic bosses and or organizations that dictate every step and move of mine, yes. Why would I do the same to myself when I'm working for myself? Absolutely. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So I can make my work to others and that's it. (laughs) Yeah. No, completely, completely agree with that 100%. And I've had a look at your Instagram and your website. It's completely inspiring. And I love that you talk about, and you've mentioned it in your book title as well, living your best life. So what does that actually mean to you? Living the best life. So I think really it's about maybe even partially what we just discussed. You know, it's about the balance and it's about, you know, I spent 19 years working 12, 14 hour days where I I would just, I was killing myself for businesses that were not even mine. And Mm -hmm. I was killing myself to make, you know, rich people richer. Mm. Um, and and then I was kind of missing out on 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 few things in my earlier career that I could have done. I mean, perfect example was working for large hotel companies that give you benefits, um, and and they you can actually use the hotel discounts around the world and whatnot. But you mm-hmm. you don't get to travel much, so you can't really use them because you're always working. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess living the best life 
it just starts happening when you start becoming more self-aware um, mm-hmm. and when you when you really get to the point and when you pause and consciously very consciously acknowledge what makes you happy you mm. acknowledge those moments of happiness and joy that you go through every day and then you make the conscious decision to recreate those moments we create our own happiness happiness is not a a state it's not a time frame it's not a period it's or anything happiness it's is a mood happiness is a moment and if you can make a conscious decision to insert that joy into your life and make all your experiences truly joyful and eliminate those that are not uh, by asking yourself and coaching yourself towards this mm-hmm. um, you know i think that's really when you can just live your best life and and really those questions that i ask myself every day is this what i'm about to do going to help me or harm me and then and then does this bring me joy and i just yeah. can't do anything that doesn't bring me joy and and if i do find myself in in the miserable moments or in in the moments that i just really hate from bottom of my heart really i just i just continue to ask myself why is this happening knowing that it's happening for a reason what am i supposed to learn from it you know and and you know even when i had some parts of my career that were maybe less enjoyable than others you know i was able to turn it around by asking myself the right questions what am i learning here why is this shitty situation happening to me mm. and rather than you know focusing on why 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 just kind of looking for what is the purpose of me learning this what what could i have learned from this if this didn't happened what would i miss out on learning here mm-hmm. so when i actually you know created the framework of the right questions it's just much easier to handle any situations that life brings your way um and and just really turn it around into into more of a learning experience rather than just kind of you know getting yourself drowned by by why me why did this happen and what not mm. everything bad happens so we can recognize the good yes. and and it comes and goes in intervals so um you know that's i think what living the best life is about to be able to learn from from the less favorable situations and being able to being able to handle them without having your health suffer without um you know affecting your relationships and and just kind of just really inserting the joy in between no matter what day you may have had at work you still have hours and hours before the end before the end of the day you know what can you do to still make it worth it what can you make it to still make your day count every day is a gift so you know we can't allow others to to destroy our moods or days or having work grow over our heads mm. you know we have to consciously learn how to insert the joy into into life and being able to balance it so yeah maybe half of my day was really bad because meetings didn't go well and this didn't go right which happens all the time mm-hmm. but you know what can you do to make the rest of the day better what can you do to create happiness out of something that you're aware of that you can and focus on that don't just focus on the bad <laughs> wow literally i'm just listening to you and thinking about my own life and how i can kind of apply this more because it's easy to say and it's easy to be conscious about it but actually applying it sometimes you forget it's so strange like you forget how to tune into those parts of 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 happiness or or of your mind even to to be able to get out of those moments of feeling stressed or or anxious or angry so yeah i think like you said it's about taking that time out and just reflecting and 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 having time for yourself i think has really helped me um especially during this current lockdown i think a lot of people have had time to be with themselves and reflect and learn and there's that old saying you know you're never too old to learn and i think a lot of people think the older they get that they they they're too old like i often hear like a lot of people say oh i'm too old to do that 
But I, I don't think they're too old at all. I think you're, you know, you can be any age and learn and reflect and and tune into happiness. So yeah, completely. Absolutely. Will that be addressed in your book as well? Um, yes. Okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, when I look at what inspires me personally, mm. um, it is really those people that mm. that really are either, you know somehow fearless and and someone somehow embracing the change because they know uh you know subconsciously they know that change is good it cannot yeah. be bad and if it is bad what do we learn from it mm-hmm. and really people that that really do live and and believe that they're never too old to start fresh these are the people that inspire me mm. um you know aside from people who share their gifts or fortune to contribute to well-being or to society in general or to planet. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really like you say, you know, um, it's, it's, you know, I plan to live until I'm 130 and I still mm-hmm. want to change my career at least once by the time I'm yeah. 70. You know, um, I have plans for another, you know, 60, 70 years at least. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's never too late. Like you said, it's never too late. And, and your gifts are waking up within you every year, and every day is a gift. And then every day you find out maybe something else about yourself. If you just really, really focus on you and, and make the decision to make yourself consciously happy. 100%. Wow, it's just so inspiring listening to you and everything that you've said. Um, it's been amazing. Thank you. Um, so we're moving on to my favourite part of the show now, which is your awesome cats. And um, could you give us a short little intro about them? So the highlight of my life, the highlight. <laughs> of my life. <laughs> so I used to have Back when I was working for Mandarin Oriental in 2003 in Washington, D.C., um, one of the chefs I worked with found a small ginger cat in the bushes um, Mm. that was thrown out. And he kind of said, you know, we already have three cats. My wife won't let him, won't let me keep her. Do you want her? And I said, well, I'm not really a cat person. I'm I'm more of a dog person. He's like, no, but when you see her, you're going to fall in love. You'll see. Mm-hmm. okay well obviously that happened the moment I saw the little kitty I fell in love we became oh. incredible. Um, so her name was actually Gingy uh, Ginger Cat um, and we had the most beautiful 12 years together um, when we had her she actually passed away in New York and and she had you know unexpected heart failure and and we were so devastated with my partner mm-hmm. that we literally didn't want to go home from work every day because we knew she wasn't there. Mm. So a friend of mine, a neighbor of mine, she said, you know, three weeks after she passed, a friend of mine said, you know, this is not going to sound really, you know, maybe cool to you because this is the first death of a pet you dealt with and whatnot, but you really need to adopt as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I need to grieve more. I'm not ready. But somehow she tricked me into going to this Adoptapalooza it's ah. an event. It's called Adoptapalooza. So they pretty much some of the shelters and foster homes load the pets into the cages, obviously carriers, into mm-hmm. those moving trucks, and they park these trucks in the city centers or area of the city centers. They announce the event into the neighborhood, mm-hmm. and rather than waiting for people to come to the shelters, they actually come to the neighborhoods, have the music going on. Oh, amazing. Going on, and people and families come and they pick their pet. Oh, so wow. So they pretty much bring the pet to you. If you're kind of postponing the visit of the shelter, then, you know, what shelter comes to you? And so my neighbor, you know, very consciously and tricked me into going there. And I said, you know, what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> well, the worst that could happen was that I did adopt the two cats. And, and I called my partner who was at work and he's a chef. And I said, mm-hmm. you know, don't even get your chef uniform off. Just just jump in a taxi and come because I just met the two most adorable kitties. And I think <laughs> they showed me they want to be with us because I passed by their specific cage and Romeo was just sticking his paws on me. And oh. when I it, he jumped on my shoulder and he just started licking my face. So I was thinking, mm. I can't leave him here. I can't. He picked me. He chose yeah. me. 
Yeah. And, and Cleopatra was obviously in the cage, kind of just watching. She's always been laid back and, and whatnot. But <laughs> that's how we ended up adopting them three weeks after my Gingy cat um, died. And wow. we kind of went over the whole, you know, feeling guilty. Is it too soon? And then kind of just realizing, you know what? It's never too soon. There are tons mm. of furry animals waiting to be loved and cared for. And, and, and you know, and, and Ginger is just looking at us from the heaven and being happy that mm-hmm. her cousins are now here and we take care of her cousins really well. Aww. So, yeah. And so the biggest funny part was that eight months after we adopted them, we had to move to UK. And obviously, UK doesn't let you fly directly with the pets ah. um, three months into quarantine. Um, so I said, I refuse to do that. They're, they're, yeah. either going with me. they're either going with me on the plane on board or I'm not going, I'm not. Yeah. Moving. Yeah. So we actually found an airline, I think Delta airline, um, or was it Air France? Air France and Delta, are, they're one company. They allowed us to have them in the prescribed size carrier bags uh-huh. with us on board entire flight of seven hours. Amazing. And so we flew, but we couldn't come to London, to UK. UK has their own rules. So we flew to Paris. Uh-huh. And then drove? And then we rented a car and drove. Yeah, yeah. So the specific paperwork obviously done, all the chips and vaccinations and health documentations and whatnot. Um, it was quite a preparation, but yes, we drove and they were just so amazing. They were so well behaved. Oh. The scariest moment is when you have to take them out of the bag when you're passing the security detectors in the airport. Mm-hmm. That's the first, you know, they're indoor cats and that's the first yeah. time actually see so many people around and you and, and you have them you know cats are unpredictable they can just kind yeah. of panic and run off and, yeah. and whatever so I was kind of really really nervous that they're just gonna kind of jump off somewhere and we'll never find them at the airport again oh, no. but they were so trusting they were really glued on us that they were good we passed it Aww. and they were good in the airplane um and it was just—it was just so wonderful. We were so proud of them when we reached. <laughs> it was such a great, great experience. Um, yeah. So Romeo is a troublemaker. Um, <laughs> he is literally—he can't stand water, glass of water on the counter. Needs to knock it down. Oh no! Um, he can't. You know, they—they they both wake me up at four a.m. every <gasps> morning. Um, <laughs> They're hyper. They want to play. They're yeah, really yeah. in the mood. So uh, we started actually turning our sun machine on and closing the doors. Otherwise, they would just turn the bedroom upside down. They will pretty <laughs> much anything and everything to wake you up. Oh, no. So we try to teach them how to stay outside. And then when the alarm goes off for us at 7, that's when, mm-hmm. that's when we come out and that's when they'll get fed. But they'll try all kinds of tricks. <laughs> They're so smart. Yeah, they are so, so smart. Too smart. (laughs) Romeo is actually a a jealous one. uh, Really? He really is. He, he would, he would, when I go to bed, I go a little bit earlier. My partner still like finishes his watching TV or whatever. And he comes a little bit later. And so I like to read my books and just kind of having my time off. And Mm. so Romeo is chilling on my chest. And then when he hears him, turning off the lights and kind of, you know, closing the balcony window, turning mm. off everything. he jumps off my chest and he stretches himself through the entire side of his bedside. No. Signaling, I am here with mommy. You don't belong. No. So then my partner comes to bed and he's like, well, you need to take your cat away because you need to yeah. <laughs> I don't have to do anything. You have to talk to him. He's your boy. He sleeps with you at the end of the day. Yeah. Funny enough, once he makes it to bed, my partner, then Romeo stays with him. Okay. Me is just that first snuggle. And then yeah. after. But he would literally wrestle him when he's coming to bed. He That's would not hilarious. like slap him. He would try to hiss at him. He no. doesn't allow him to get to his own bed. And then once they make the peace, then once they go through the whole motion, then Romeo is fine. Then he, you know, my partner lies down in bed and then Romeo ends up either between his legs or under his arm or whatnot. Um, so funny. And Romeo is like that with Cleo as well. So Cleo is very mm-hmm. smart, 
being a lady, yes. she, she waits out this whole turmoil of kind of falling asleep. And you can hear her little uh, nails um, kind of clapping. She goes when we're kind of all half asleep. And she just kind of situates herself in bed somewhere, whatever that is the case. So she doesn't want to be part of Romeo's jealousy or mm. picking plays in bed and being territorial. She just waits. And then smartly, she just comes when the right time's on. So yeah. that's how they are. And they are just, they're just so wonderful. I mean, I can't Aww. even... We've been, um, we've been actually preparing to move. And the first time we're moving into the house from a flat with a large balcony they've been enjoying but yeah to the house so i can't wait till they have staircase to run ah uh, yeah garden that i have to cut proof and oh amazing and, yeah so, so they'll have more big, space yeah 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 a little bit i think in terms of square footage or square meters i think it might be the same but the okay it, it's more elevated it's three floors it's not flat yeah yeah and it has a little garden so it's it's let's see that's going to be a nice change for them yeah absolutely exciting um and yeah like you were saying about romeo i think that male cats are really more territorial than the female cats and i've really noticed it with with all the cats that i kind of work with and i've got a male cat as well and he's like super territorial of of the house and and the beds and and things like that so completely relate to that I think a lot of people with male cats can can relate to that actually and, and girls are just so laid back aren't they you hear them coming along it's almost like they're wearing little high heels in the night time yeah. you can hear them just exactly. clicking away so. they approach everything being smart clever elegant yeah, yeah very elegant uh, but also I have to say Cleo is the sweetest sweetest cat you know she'll She's the type of a cat that lets the vet do anything you want to really sleep or anything. You know, you can take her blood. She'll just, she's fine. She's Amazing. just so calm and wonderful. Although it's a little dramatic to get her into the carrier bag. But once we're at the vet, she's fine. But, oh. you know, we would always think that whenever they, they do a little fights or playing around, it's usually Romeo who is always the one that kind of leads it. Mm. But it's a very big misconception and it's, it's, it's actually, she, she is the same way. She would see him sleeping and then she's in the mood to play. She'll just come and just jumps on him or oh, slap, really? slaps him through the face. <laughs> so as we were thinking so many years that Romeo is the start of the fight kind of creator and, and, and ah, he exactly. created all that. Actually, she's same guilty, same guilty. Uh, she's just more devious with it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's hilarious. So um, I think a lot of people are actually adopting cats from overseas now, actually. I think there's been a rise in that, which is great because often when I travel abroad, I travel quite frequently. There's such a a problem with, you know, street cats and dogs. And it's so sad, you know, it's really heartbreaking. So it's nice to know that, you know, people from America and the UK and and beyond are, are able to kind of adopt cats now from from overseas um is there any yeah is there any advice that you might have to about uh for someone who's thinking about maybe getting a cat or bringing a cat over from somewhere like you did I would think you know I work with um I don't work with I kind of just support them Mm. cat cuddles cat cuddles cuddles. yeah Uh, I'm in touch with them and they bring cats from Greece for example okay um, I don't remember the name of one that I knew in US and they were bringing cats from Caribbean. Oh, okay. Um, it's exactly like you say, honestly, when we travel and don't laugh, we carry our cat food. Oh, I do as well. Yeah, I completely relate. <laughs> we just know there are going to be cats and we just know that we have to buy it. I remember when yeah. we were in Sicily uh, a year ago, I threw a fit because there were there were a whole family of kittens and cats and mm. I was coming to the restaurants trying to get them like sausages and yeah. hams and all kinds of things because I couldn't find a shop that had like a proper granulated cat food or can. Yeah. Um, and and they were they were looking at me, the the restaurant owners, you know, I would order my entree and then I would order grilled shrimp mm. and, and package it to go. He said and they would always look at me like, Oh, 
to go is if for someone that <laughs> no sauce, no salt, no pepper, nothing, just the pure shrimp. Yeah. And, and they're just looking at me. I said, okay, if you really need to know, it's for the cats down the street. So, <laughs> and they would always look at me, but this is great. This is great. A shrimp. This is, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care how much I'm doing for it. Mm -hmm. They need that good protein. Yeah. So, this is the story of my life. My partner knows already that the moment the cats show up, that's what we do. In Santa Lucia, we were sneaking the sausages in our pockets from yeah. our <laughs> we That's amazing. Under our, under our deck, there were kittens and we were just waiting and they, they were waiting till we get back and they were all kind oh, of there. bless. So it, it's all about, you know, part of our trips and tripping, it's yeah. shopping for cat food and feeding the whole community of cats. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Me too. I do exactly the same. <laughs> Often people, like, especially maybe in, like, I've been to Egypt and they didn't, yeah. like you said, they didn't have any um, cat food around in the shop. So I literally bought, like, the next best thing that I could find, which was, like, tuna mm -hmm. and things like that. And then I started feeding them, my friend and I, and people were like, looking at us like we were crazy and then they asked us if we had cats and then we said yeah and they were like and you keep them in your house and we were like yes they're pets like there's no concept like there's no concept of understanding that yeah, their cats yeah. and dogs actually, are pets and feeding is one thing but actually what i've come to acknowledge that the best thing we could do when we travel and we see these poor cats is really if we don't mind and could spend the extra euros, dollars, mm. pounds, mm -hmm. getting some of the stray cats into the vet for a proper checkup. Yes, yes. Also neutering. Getting spayed and neutered, exactly. Because yeah. Yeah. they'll go through less drama in the neighborhood after yeah. that. Yeah, uh, 100%. They'll the proper nutrients. And, you know, at the end of the day, they are, by nature, they are hunters. So they'll always take care of their own food at some yeah. point when we're gone. But it's not... It's not a lot of people there locally, maybe that can, uh, you know, spend that money to really yes. take care of them from from the veterinary perspective. So I think yeah. that's really something that I am, you know, committed to do. Um, and also, you know, when it comes to adopting, uh, you know, every shelter does know more or less what the behaviors of the specific cats are. Mm. You know, I think just be make it make it a focused decision. Make it. Um, you know, make it, make it very conscious, really pick, not selfishly. First of all, it's great if the pet picks you, like Romeo picked us. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, then, and then learn as much as you can about it. You know, back in the days, you couldn't Google everything. Mm -hmm. Now you can Google what are the poisonous flowers for mm -hmm. the cat. Mm -hmm. What are the foods that we normally humans eat that are really not good for the cat? Mm -hmm. You know, knowing that, for example, cats don't show pain. So doing the frequent vet checkups and having maybe pet insurance pays off yes um, but again you know it's it's the best thing to do it's it's the most innocent love anyone will ever ever mm -hmm. experience in their life it's the companionship when that brings that balance it, they're part of the huge balance uh, that they bring to everyone's life mm. i think just by just by us kind of noticing when it's time to relax. And sometimes, you know, when I'm in the most stressful moments of mine, I just look at my cats and I'm like, wow, what a life you guys are having. Look at how you <laughs> And then I look at them and I'm thinking, well, I can choose to do that too. Maybe yeah. I can turn off my brain for a couple of hours. And absolutely, absolutely. So, you learn so much from them. You yeah, learn so much. Me. They force yeah. me to take a nap so many times when I knew I was tired and I knew I had to keep going, but I knew I also need to recharge. And, mm -hmm. and it was so much easier with them being surrounded by their, their furry warmth and just by the yes. companionship. It's just, yes. it's, it's giving and getting love back in equal measures. It's indescribable what that pet love and cat love can do. 100%. They're family, you know, you, you don't look yeah. at them as, as pets. They are, they, they become family. So they yeah. Really, they really do. Yeah. Oh, it's so lovely talking to you about that. And also in episode six, the episode before this episode, um, I'm talking about exactly what we've just been speaking about, about cats abroad and um, feeding cats and, and what you can do for cats that are stray. So that episode just before this one will be all about that. So if you want to tune in and listen to that, you can. <laughs> um, and yeah, thank you so 
much for everything. This conversation was just so fulfilling and amazing. And I've learned so much. I think the listeners will learn so much. And just for the listeners as well, where can they connect with you online? When can we find out about your book and your services? And of course, I've posted some photos of Cleo and Romeo on the Chatty Cats Care page and um, I feature them quite a lot. So for our listeners, I'll be posting another photo of Cleo and Romeo and of course you so um, everybody can see what you guys look like. So yes, so where can we find more information about you online? Thank you so much for having me. This was so lovely to be able to share. Um, Anytime through my blossomhospitality.com website or mm-hmm. my Instagram pages, I have Blossom Hospitality Instagram page as well as Mariana Alpha, my own one. That's more personal and inspirational. Um, that's just thoughts of every day. But, you know, through the Instagram messaging, very easy. Through the Facebook as well. Um, I'm all out there. And, um, yeah, yeah. And I'm a huge fan of you. So you can connect Aww. me. <laughs> anyone who can connect with me um yeah. i'm a huge fan and i'm I'm part of jerry cats care now because you're my favorite so um, oh thank you i can't wait till you're able to stay with them i know i'm so excited i really can't wait to meet them especially now you've told me more about their personalities i cannot wait it's going to be hilarious it'll be fun yeah <laughs> yeah definitely so thank you so much again and please don't forget to rate review and subscribe to this podcast thank you thank you Especially now you've told me more about their personalities. I cannot wait. It's going to be hilarious. It'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So thank you so much again. And please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Thank you. Thank you.